Hey, thanks for listening to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Before we get started, we'd like to better understand who's listening and how you are using podcasts. You can help us out by completing a short anonymous survey at npr.org slash podcast survey. It takes less than 10 minutes and it really helps support the show. That's npr.org slash podcast survey. Hey, Bill Curtis here. On the Wait, Wait podcast you're about to listen to, you'll be able to hear Peter and me, but we can't hear you. But it doesn't have to be that way. With the new Wait, Wait quiz for your smart speaker, we'll ask you questions and be able to hear your answers. Imagine that. A little back and forth between the three of us. Oh, what a glorious age we're living in. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to open the Wait, Wait quiz to try it out. If you do well enough, you could win my voice on your voicemail. That's right. Get these pipes without a plumber. Give it a try. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Hey, EDM fans, get ready for Spillex. I'm Bill Curtis, <laughs> and here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a great show for you today. Because later we're going to be talking to one of the legitimate legends of country music, Steve Earle. Now, Steve is not one of those pretty guys in a cowboy hat. No. He is the real deal. Among other things, he's been married seven times. (laughs) Now, you might call six divorces a sign of personal issues. In country music, they call that research. (laughs) (laughs) We know you have problems, too, but frankly, we don't want to hear about them. We just want you to call us and play our games, maybe win our prize, the voice of your choice on your voicemail. The number is one triple eight. wait wait That's 1-888-924-8924. Now let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Michelle Nolan, and I'm calling from Plymouth, New Hampshire. Plymouth, New Hampshire, we know that. Tell me what you do there in Plymouth. Uh, I'm a middle school teacher. Oh my gosh. You, you are a braver woman than I could ever be because middle school is truly hell, is it not? It's colorful. Oh. <laughs> Michelle, let me introduce you to our panel this week. First up, it's a writer and performer you can see in the upcoming final season of Veep. It's Peter Gross. Hi. Welcome. Next, it's a feature writer for the style section of the Washington Post. It's Roxanne Roberts. Hi. And finally, a serious man with serious things to say, but none of them here, Tom Bodette. <laughs> Hello, Michelle. <laughs> so, Michelle, you, of course, are going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to read you three quotations from the week's news. Your job, correctly identify or explain. Two of them do that. You will win our prize. You know what it is, the voice of your choice. Are you ready to play? I am. Here is your first quote. He's just extremely flirtatious in a completely safe way. <laughs> now... <laughs> That was Mika Brzezinski defending a prominent Democrat who was being criticized for the way he lays his hands on the ladies. (laughs) Who is it? I believe it is Joe Biden. It is Joe Biden. (laughs) Former Vice President Joe Biden. 
who is about to enter the presidential race, was hit with accusations that he's been weirdly creepy with women. This is not exactly man bites dog, more like man gives dog unwanted back rub. <laughs> now, Nevada politician Lisa Flores came forward this last week to describe an incident five years ago in which Biden put his hand on her shoulders and she says, quote, inhaled her hair. He must have liked her brand of shampoo because he then, quote, put a big slow kiss on the back of her head, unquote. Now, one problem is that he's overly familiar. Another is that he doesn't know which side of the head is the kissing <laughs> side. <laughs> yeah, he's a little, he's a little clumsy. It's kind of like yeah. Lenny from the Mice no. Men or something like that. Yeah. It's like pawing people in weird ways. I mean, that's... Oh my God, um, is that what we're going to have to do to him? <laughs> oh no. Think about the rabbits, Mr. Oh, Vice President. No, Joe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can see how that would be, you know, belittling, but I mean, like, I do that to baby heads. I mean, I love... I'm a... I'm an unembarrassed baby head sniffer. I well, just good luck running for president. Well, I know, right? You're not running for and president. And I do now, exactly so. that. And you smell a baby's head, and then it's just like you just want to kiss it, right? Yeah. Because they smell so good. It's weird and that Biden asked people, like, how many months are you now? Yeah, I know. You're 240 months. Right. Wow, your head smells amazing. <laughs> so the first thing that Biden did was he put out a statement. He said... Not once did I believe I acted inappropriately. Well, he also believes he was born with those teeth, but it doesn't make it true. <laughs> he then had to put out a video in, in which he doesn't quite apologize, but he explained that things used to be different back when, when he started in politics. Joe Biden, I'm not just creepy, I'm also very old. <laughs> I feel like also that he should have just apologized. Like, I don't know why. Like, what is it that's so hard of, for, about politicians apologizing? Because I'm sorry, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, that whole video was like, it was like you were waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and then, like, he wanted you to think that he had said I'm sorry without but, actually but, having said I'm sorry. Yeah. But he doesn't it's not that hard. But it, I don't it, think uh, Joe thinks he did anything wrong. I think Joe thinks he's a guy that just is like, hey, you know, I'm a hugger. And Get your hands off of me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm married. There's plenty of times I don't think I did anything wrong, but I still apologize. Yeah. <laughs> right. no, that is a... That's right. It is not uncommon. <laughs> and that's how you stay married. Yeah. Right? And then I announce it to the entire yeah. country that yeah. I'm still right. Yes. <laughs> Michelle, here is your next quote. There are a bunch of sneaky, unethical leakers. That was presidential lawyer Rudolph Giuliani getting a little angry this week <laughs> at the authors of what? The Mueller Report. Yes, the Mueller Report. Okay. Do you remember? That's right. You got it right. We all remember last week when the attorney general said the Mueller Report, which only he had seen, exonerated the president and also said he didn't obstruct justice. And also, not only does the president really weigh 230 pounds, he wears those long ties just to keep from intimidating all of us with his rock-hard abs. <laughs> well, it turns out, maybe not. Members of Mueller's team are reportedly very upset because there were a lot of things in the report that made the president look really, really bad, and somehow they didn't get mentioned. The team even had, and this is true, prepared their own summaries of the different sections of the report to be released to the public. Uh, summaries with titles like, like Lollapalooza, but with collusion. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't believe it's not obstruction of justice because it totally is. The thing I, that shocked me is the Mueller team was legendary for not giving up 
anything. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't even tell you if it was raining outside and you were standing next to them and you said, it's raining. And they'd go, I can't comment on that. (laughs) (laughs) It's also funny because the the whole, the reason why we have like the uh, special counsel regulations that we do now and that there is this like check of going through the attorney general is because can start like mass printed and like broke broke the internet for the first time 20 years ago when like he released like every single word and every piece of evidence from the star report and i wish we didn't have that one and i wish we had this one <laughs> i do realize like we could the country could live without like the blue dress and all of those tawdry details yeah. but i would like to know about like Don Jr. like calling up some Russian on his cell phone and being like, hi, this is the son of the president. Can you collude with me? Like, <laughs> I know something like dumb like that happened. All right, Michelle, <laughs> your last quote is from an article in the Washington Post describing a downward trend that people are experiencing. There are a lot more things to do now at 10 o'clock at night. That was one of the reasons that people might be doing what a lot less? Sleeping? No, well... <laughs> Metaphorically, maybe. Can you repeat that? Well, I have a hint for you. Okay, I would love a hint. I was trying to avoid this. Okay. Well, like chicken tenders, their nights are boneless. (laughs) That is clever. Yeah. Anyway, Michelle, do you know it now? I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you th- what do you think it might be then? I think it might be, um, you know, intimacy. Yes. Really. yes. I'm glad somebody around here has some class. Yes. Have sex is the answer. More Americans than ever before, about 25% reported not having any sex at all during the last year, 2018. Well, if you don't count Joe Biden sniffing their hair. <laughs> And they don't. And it's because there are more things to do well, than people nobody, are doing Well, nobody, people are guessing. Each other. There are, I mean, what's surprising about this is that, I mean, part of the reason is that people get older, right? And people get older, their rate of sexual activity tends to decline, although they still have it, which is probably why the rest of America went, yeah. But <laughs> those jokes are getting a little harder for me to tell, I should tell you, by the way. But, but what's different is that young people are also saying, not this year, dear. Now, yeah. I was given to believe that, yes, Tom. that when the young folk would text, want to Netflix and chill, yes. that that was like a metaphor for... It turns out it wasn't. They it, just wanted to <laughs> actually Netflix and chill because that, of course, is the other explanation is that there's so many things to do, including all this streaming entertainment. So, you know, it's like, yeah, honey, I'll come to bed as soon as I finished watching all of Netflix. (laughs) And however many months later, your partner's like, are you done? He goes, yeah, but wait a minute, have you heard of this Hulu thing? (laughs) Bill, how did Michelle do in our quiz? Michelle did great. She got them all right. Congratulations, Michelle, well done. Thank you. Now, panel, time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Tom, researchers in Australia were interested in making the roads safer for cyclists. As a result of their study, they have suggested that we ban what? Um, spandex. 
I'm just tossing out ideas here no, at no, this point. No. Um, I need a hint. Uh, well, uh, this is true. They are suggesting instead the phrase, people who cycle. Oh, stop calling them cyclists. Exactly Start, right. Well, oh, because that's just like objectifying. You have figured it out. Aha. Yeah, there you are. That's exactly huh? right. You may think cyclist is a neutral term, like violinist or sexist. But <laughs> according to the authors of a study in the Journal of Traffic Psychology and Behavior, cyclist is a dehumanizing term, like cockroach. <laughs> and it makes it easier for drivers to sideswipe them, feel aggressive, even throw things at it's them. Like so the instead, they, they are suggesting that we, instead of saying cyclist, we say people who cycle. Uh, as in, I threw a beer bottle at a person who cycles, and boy, was that satisfying. But wouldn't you have to say a person who drives threw a beer bottle at a person who cycles? Yes. No, you'd have to say a person who drives threw a bottle that beers at a, at a person who cycles. <laughs> yes. <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up, if you think lying is annoying, wait until you hear this week's bluff game. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message comes from the NPR Wine Club. Discover hand-selected wines from award-winning vineyards around the world. Learn of the stories behind each one and enjoy unique bottles inspired by your favorite NPR shows, all without ever having to leave the house. The club's welcome offer includes a bottle of the delightful all-grapes-considered Pinot Noir. If you're 21 years or older, uncork the fun at nprwineclub.org. Hey, it's Ophira Eisenberg, host of NPR's Ask Me Another, and I'm here to let you know that every Friday in April, we're bringing you an episode that spotlights women in comedy. You'll hear from Retta, the star of NBC's Parks and Recreation, and I'll talk to Russian doll actor Greta Lee and co-creator Leslie Headland, and many more. Listen now. NPR and WBEZ Chicago. This is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Peter Gross, Roxanne Roberts, and Tom Bodette. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sago. Thank you, Bill. Right now, it's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff, the listener game. Call one triple eight. Wait, wait to play our game in the air. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Nate from Burlington, Vermont. Hey, Nate from Burlington. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm nice f- to talk to you, Peter. Nice to talk to you. Now, Nate, uh, Bernie Sanders was once mayor of Burlington, right? Absolutely. Bernie do, is very popular here. Yeah, do we you have do any like, insider gossip about Bernie you want to share? Um, I had a friend a couple years ago who was just going on a hike through the woods and passing him on the trail the other way with Bernie Sanders. Oh. Did he sniff his head? <laughs> <laughs> huge scandal. I know. Well, Nate, it's nice to have you with us. You're going to play the game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Nate's topic? You're under arrest. Isn't it crazy how standing in the moving sidewalk at the airport isn't illegal, but murdering someone who stands on the moving sidewalk (laughs) is? This week we read about something that was once just annoying, now being against the law. Our panelists are going to tell you about it. Pick the one who's telling the truth and you'll win our prize. The wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. You ready to play? 
Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. Your first story of an annoyance made illegal comes from Tom Bodette. When Carol Dahman of San Diego discovered the CVS receipt draped across the kitchen counter, she couldn't resist pulling out her tape measure. Her husband had purchased one single prescription, yet the receipt she discovered stretched out at an astonishing four feet eight inches. <laughs> the height of Olympic champion gymnast Simone Biles. <laughs> It's also the width of an Antoine truffle reclining love seat, longer than the legal harvest limit for alligators in Georgia, and about the size of a good number of other random everyday objects you don't think about very much. This receipt is ridiculous and unnecessary, Dahman tweeted, calling for the scrapping of paper receipts for emailed versions. Leaping into action at the ting of a tweet, Democratic Assemblyman Phil Ting of San Francisco introduced a bill that would make emailed receipts the law for businesses grossing more than $1 million a year. Rule breakers could be fined $25 a day and up to $300 a year, which if you're grossing more than a million is like nothing. <laughs> the state already banned single-use plastic bags and mandated that plastic straws be available by request only. If the e-receipt bill passes, California would once again become the first in the nation to crack down on another hidden hazard of our modern lives. They're wasteful and they're toxic, Ting said about the receipts. Their lack of recyclability really makes them problematic. Strong words from a mildly influential man. Rest <laughs> easy, California. <laughs> in California, an attempt to make those horrible, long drugstore receipts finally illegal. Your next story of something vexing being verboten comes from Roxanne Roberts. The millionaires and billionaires in Palm Beach are used to getting anything they want. But on this exclusive Florida island, the one thing they can't find is parking. The shortage of public spaces has been a problem for years, but things came to a head last November when Elise Flagger, a descendant of the island's founder, and Susie Herman, third wife of a hedge fund billionaire, got into a fight on Tony Worth Avenue. Elise pulled the front of her rolls into an open space just as Susie backed her jag into the same space, and neither would budge. The ensuing brouhaha resulted in disorderly conduct arrests for both women, <laughs> and a new law passed last month, reports the Palm Beach Daily News. City officials debated various solutions, but finally settled on this. If two cars arrive at the same spot at the same time, the older driver gets the space <laughs> if and only if he or she produces their driver's license as proof of age. But the real genius of this is that they know any self-respecting trophy wife will drive away before ever revealing their real age. <laughs> As of March 31st, there have been no further incidents. <laughs> In Palm Beach, a legal solution to the problem of two people vying for the same parking space. Your next story of a peeve being prohibited comes from Peter Gross. When 75-year-old Wanda Kronson ran for mayor of Baker City, Oregon, it was on a pledge to, quote, restore fiscal responsibility, old-fashioned values, and good grammar. That's right, grammar. Miss Kronson, as she's known to three generations of Baker City children, was an English teacher at South Baker Middle School for 45 years and spoke passionately during her campaign about how improper grammar amongst millennials is emblematic of society's overall decline. 
After she easily won election last fall, she had the clout to convince the city council to pass the Getting Ready to Affirm Momentous Modifications About Recitation Act, or Grammar Act, <laughs> which went into effect this week, making the following conversational crimes, well, actual crimes, using LOL or other internet jargon in conversation using like anywhere in a sentence other than to indicate approval, and using the word literally, literally anywhere, except when it's literally mandatory that you use the word literally. <laughs> Violators will be forced to put $5 in the grammar jar, a giant six-foot-tall mason jar that has been installed outside City Hall. This law is, like, so stupid, 26-year-old Bethany Rabina told the Baker City Herald. Yeah, I totally said like. So what? This town has gone hashtag insane. At which point, police grabbed Bethany, cuffed her, and dragged her off to the grammar jar. As she disappeared out of sight, Bethany was heard calling out, Help! I'm literally being tortured! <laughs> All right. <laughs> One of these things is now subject to the full weight of the law, or will be. Is it from Tom Bodette, those annoying, long CVS and Walgreens receipts? <laughs> Apparently they like those receipts. What can I tell you? Is it from Roxanne Roberts? Parking place disputes are now going to be adjudicated in Palm Beach by age. Or from Peter Gross, actual laws against poor grammar in a small town. Which of these is the real story of laws about what is annoying. I'm going to go with Tom's story about the long receipts. You're going to go with Tom's story about the long receipts being made illegal, perhaps in California. Well, yeah. we are very excited about this because to bring you the correct answer, we actually spoke to the person who was behind this crackdown. You see people coming out of stores with receipts that are five feet tall, six feet tall, and you really wonder why we're wasting so much paper. That was Assemblymember Phil King of California's 19th Assembly District talking about the receipt bill he introduced into the State Assembly. Congratulations, Nate. You got it right. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Congratulations. You've earned a point for Tom for simply telling the truth. I hope you feel good about that, Tom. And you've won our prize, the voice of your choice, on your voicemail. Congratulations, Nate. Thank you. It's a ton of fun. Thank you so much. And now the game where we invite people to join us for just about as long as we expect them to want to be here. <laughs> Steve Earle is the singer-songwriter that other singer-songwriters want to be. He came out of the honky-tonks in Texas and then to Nashville where he wrote classic country western tunes like Hillbilly Highway and The Devil's Right Hand. So no, this is not easy listening. He has a new album out now. Steve Earle, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. <laughs> Let's get one thing right. Country, is that your genre? Is that accurate? Look, I've been called country singer, country rock singer, and folk singer in the New York Times crossword puzzle. So I think oh, really? I oh, wow. Oh, oh yeah, you have one of those great names with a vowel to beginning and end. You're all set. My dad, I'm in there a lot. My dad thought I'd finally made it when I made it to the New York Times crossword puzzle. <laughs> That's pretty great. Every week, so. Yeah, well, yeah. congratulations. Yeah. Um, you you got your start uh, really early. You this, you knew what you wanted to do from a very young age. Right? Yeah, I, I you know I didn't finish school because I, I, I regret that now. But but I just didn't see how they were going to teach me anything more about what I wanted to do. And my my parents were incredibly supportive. But I finally dropped out when I was sixteen, and I, I started playing coffee houses. And I met all these guys that have been playing folk music for a lot longer than I had. And that's where I first heard of Towns Van Zant and Guy Clark. And my new record is a record of songs 
written by Guy Clark because I made a record of town songs 10 years ago, and I do not want to run into Guy on the other side having made the town's record. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> he was like that. Was yeah, I, we, we read that you, you were such a fan or, of Towns Van Zandt that you actually like went to where he was and tracked him down. I did that. I did, did the same thing with Guy. I, I, I tracked Towns down in Houston, and uh, he turns up at my gig. There's about four people there, you know, including Towns. And the second set, when I go down for my set, you know, the first set, the most eventful thing was the club owner's dog fell in love right in front of the, the, the set. <laughs> and then the second set, I finally come down, and here's Town sitting in the front row. He's pretty, he drank a little, and um, <laughs> he was pretty lit, and he was sitting there, and he did not make a sound while I was actually singing. But between every song, he'd lean back and go, play the Wabash Cannonball. <laughs> And I'm like, so I'd play another song. <laughs> Great, I'm being heckled by my heroes. Yeah. <laughs> so I get, I get trudge along and then get to the, play the Wabash Cannon. I finally had to admit I don't know the Wabash well, Cannon. Well. Also. And uh, he, then he said, you call yourself a folk singer and you don't know the Wabash Cannon. And I'm like, so I played this song called Mr. Mud and Mr. Gold, a song of his that has about a million words. And then he shut up. Yeah, <laughs> well. And then we, we introduced ourselves afterwards and, and, uh, and he became a teacher for, oh, wow. for some time. That's really amazing. Yeah. Um, you've been through a lot. I mean, yeah. you read a little bit about you, you find out, I mean, like, for example, uh, you played uh, a recovering addict in The Wire. I did. And, and apparently, it was, it was not a, a stretch for you as an it was, Yeah, David Simon's idea for, for me to become, I was offered acting roles when I was a lot younger and a lot better looking than I am now. <laughs> and I hated it when actors made records, so I just always turned them down and didn't think it was something I wanted to do. But David's a big music fan, and he called my manager, he says, I've got this character, and I think Steve could do it, and would he like to read for it? And I read for it on, you know, just on the, made a tape in a, in a studio. And, you know, it was, I played a redneck recovering addict, so like you said, I didn't have to really act, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we were reading this, you live in New York, and the most amazing thing we read is that you, your, your enthusiasms in New York are yoga and Broadway musicals. That's pretty much it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and baseball. And baseball. Baseball, yeah. y Yoga, yoga was just a thing that was sort of, uh, um, I, f I fish with a fly rod, and I, I, get, I travel places where that's fun to do, and I fell in a river for the first time, you know, and I was just getting back in the bug, floating down to the next spot and talking to a friend of mine, and I just said, man, my core strength is just going. <laughs> and, and he said, well, you know, I've been taking yoga a couple of times a week, a guy comes, and I thought, I spend money on dumber stuff than that. <laughs> but, so it started as, as that, as, as dealing with a physical issue, but I'm, I'm, the way I'm still here is 12-step programs, and you know, that's, it's a spiritual program, and one of the things you're supposed to do in 12-step programs is, is, is get to a place where you pray or meditate every day, and that was the only thing that I didn't do, yeah. and I'm kind of an old hippie anyway, and so I've known about these things all my life, but through that association, I met a yoga teacher in New York, and um, started uh, studying with her. I'm on blocks and, you know, a lot of cheating going on because <laughs> yeah. I started when I was 60. Yeah, I understand you know, that. Um, you've, uh, you've been married six times, seven times, six times? Seven times, six wives. Right. So and, 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 and I have to correct, the, for the record, seven divorces. Oh, I, excuse me. I'm I, single at the moment. Oh, excuse so. me, okay. <laughs> now, 
when people when people talk about people who've been married a lot, we often joke about you know hope over experience, and you know they just think this time it's going to work out. And we talk about people's optimism. What I was thinking about in your case is is how do you if you meet a woman and the woman knows you've been married, say let's pick middle five times before. How do you convince her, like, no, really, well, well, it was always here, their fault? Well, wait a minute. No, that, no here, here's, here's the real question is, if you've been married six times and you meet a woman that's willing to marry you. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, what, what you know, it's a, yeah, that should give you pause. And, and you know. If, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm finally starting to get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let me ask a question. Elizabeth Taylor was married so many times because she liked being married. Do you like being married? Um, I played 200 shows last year. That's shows. That's nights that I actually performed. So whoever was married to me probably didn't like it all that much because I was gone about half the time. And I didn't really know what really being married was like the way that most people did because I got my own room for (laughs) over half of my life. Steve, have you met Roxanne? (laughs) (laughs) I did meet Roxanne. Yeah, I know, yeah. (laughs) Well, Steve Earl, we've invited you here to play a game we're calling... Steve Earl, meet Steve Urkel. As I'm sure you remember, you've been around. Yeah. Uber nerd Steve Urkel was yeah. one of the most popular TV characters of the 1990s in the show Family Matters. I'm guessing you didn't have a lot of time to watch TV in the 1990s. You know what? I, think I don't think I've ever seen a complete episode of well, Family Matters. That's great, because that that's the whole right. principle I, I that you're not I, supposed to know anything. Know. Knowledge I, I, hurts. I was, I was hoping you guys would mess this part up. Yeah. We're didn't. going to ask you three questions about that icon in the flood pants and suspenders. If you get two right, you win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of their choice in their answering machine. Bill, who is Steve Earle playing for? Brian Hines. Of Pleasant View, Tennessee. All right. Wow. You ready? Cool. Here's your first question. Now, the popularity of the character of Steve Urkel was great for the actor in the TV show, but bad for whom? A, the actual Steve Urkel, for whom the character was named, who spent a decade enduring jokes and disappointment that he didn't talk funny. B, the belt industry, as Urkel's suspenders caused a 40% decrease in sales. Or C, speech therapists who had to deal with people trying to talk like Urkel. Oh, well, um, let's say B. You're going to go for B, the belt industry? Yeah. Did people stop buying belts because yeah. the suspenders were so sexy? Yeah. No, it was actually the real Steve Urkel. The real Steve Urkel. It was a real guy named Steve Urkel who the character was named for, and he did not enjoy it after a very short while. <laughs> Two more chances. Here's your next question. Urkel's popularity led to a number of branded products, including which of these? A, Steve Urkel nerd glasses with masking tape pre-applied. B, Urkel O's breakfast cereal. Or see an automated chess player called the Mechanical Urk. Breakfast cereal, I guess. Has it is it, the so. breakfast yeah. cereal. Yay! <laughs> Last one for the all the marbles. Jaleel White, the actor who played Urkel, went on to have the usual struggles of an actor associated with one role. He tried appearing on Dancing with the Stars, but what happened? A. Asked to dance in flood high pants and suspenders. He swore and stomped off the set. B, he was so obnoxious to other participants it became known as Jerkle. (laughs) Or C, he insisted on doing his own choreography for the jitterbug section and broke a hip. Oh, let's see. B. B, it is B. He, by the way, he denied the rumors that he was unpopular and said he got along great with everybody. He was still voted off the show, though. (laughs) Bill, how did Steve Earle do? What a smart guy. (laughs) He got two out of three, so you won. Congratulations, Steve. 
Steve Earle's new album is called Guy. It's out now wherever you listen to music. Steve Earle, thank you so much for joining us here at Radio Daytona. In just a minute, if this lily pad is rockin', don't come knockin' in the listener limerick challenge. Call one triple eight. Wait, wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Sub-Zero Refrigeration, Wolf Cooking, and Cove Dishwashing. Here's head demonstration chef Joel Chesbro on the benefits of gathering around a common table. One of the beautiful things about being a chef is that I can use those resources to bring people together around a delicious meal. This is what food does. Allow you to have these wonderful moments of human interaction. Cook, create, and live deliciously with Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove. Visit subzero-wolf.com. Elle was swiping on Tinder one night when she discovered the problem. I was literally giving white faces a chance that I was not giving black and Latinx faces. This week, Invisibilia follows one woman's quest to get rid of her racial preferences. From NPR... WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Peter Gross, Tom Bodette, and Roxanne Roberts. And here again is your host at the Chiefs Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Segal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill sings his favorite song by Rimiana Grande. It's our listener limerick challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Peter, many of this year's seventeen hundred Democratic candidates for president. Yes. Oh, I'd like to announce that I'm running. Also. All right. Yeah, you were the last one. Yes. There's nobody left. Uh, many of them have, of course, created Spanish versions of their campaign <laughs> websites, right? Yeah. But a recent report in Politico showed that many of them actually made those websites by doing what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> using uh, Google Translate. That's what they did. <laughs> yeah. Just copying, just copying and pasting. That's all they did. It's it's very economical, or as Beto O'Rourke's Spanish site might say, him very talk Spanish. Nice. <laughs> so Politico went out and they ranked each Democratic candidate's Spanish language websites. Cory Booker and Kamala Harris got A's, yay for them. Amy Klobuchar, though, got a C for mixing up the Spanish words for fork and comb. <laughs> in fact, Klobuchar's site is entirely done through Google Translate, resulting in, and this is true, Klobuchar holding her own mother a dude. <laughs> Meanwhile, over on his Spanish language site, Bernie Sanders just added O to every word. <laughs> <laughs> it's the millionaires O and billionaires O's. <laughs> oh, I feel their pain. I, um, Rita, my wife, is a native Spanish speaker, and sometimes to impress her, like if I want to write something really romantic yeah. in an anniversary card or something, I'll go to Google Translate. Yeah. <laughs> and, and put my sentiments into Spanish, and it's always the same. She's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, you what? tried, though. <laughs> you want to build the birdhouse of our love? <laughs> <laughs> Peter, safety officials in New York are cracking down on one specific type of business that they say is not providing enough exits. 
and in many cases trapping customers inside, what is the business? Um, escape rooms. Exactly right. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the officials say it's almost as if these escape rooms are designed to trap people inside. <laughs> Back in February, New York created the task force to investigate all 22 of the city's escape rooms for safety violations. They went to the first one and haven't been seen since. <laughs> the task force's findings, 21 of the 22 escape rooms have exits that are not clearly marked, and the other one has been shut down for being ridiculously easy. <laughs> It is like a weird phenomenon that, that people are like, I, I, put me in danger and I can't get out. And Have then like you done to, one? No. I, I did one with my, my whole family and my, and my mother and father-in-law. It was in New Jersey, actually. It was really hard. Scratching at the door. Bleeding. <laughs> you know, like, was it one of those ones with like a zombie on a chain? Was it one of those? No, it, was, it was a nautical theme. There was a lot of sea mythology involved. As, Do as people play like care? Is there somebody in there who's like, Hi, ho, we're on the high seas, and you must escape the under a ship. Is it that? No, like, it's I like, think the guy who put us in there just went to the... lunch, and we just... <laughs> Peter, comfort is the number one factor in underwear purchases, which is why one clothing company is making underwear out of what? Um, old t-shirts. No. Um, That's a nice idea. Yeah. We were being um, ironic about the comfort. <laughs> oh, being ironic. Oh, my God, I saw this. Jeans. Yes. yes. Oh. Janties? Janties. Janties. Jean panties. Janties. If you wish you could feel like you were riding a horse naked on a saddle <laughs> made of sandpaper, have we got underwear for you? It's high-waisted underwear made of denim, complete with rivets and pockets called janties. Janties, of course, It should be is, called scratchies. You'd think. No, but janties is a combination of the words panties and Jesus Christ, you're not going out like that, are you? <laughs> Hey, sorry to bug you about this again, but I'm really insecure and need validation. Please help us out by completing our survey at npr.org slash podcast survey. Thanks. Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. wait wait that's 1-888-924-8924. You can click the Contact Us link on our website, waitwait.npr.org. There you can find out about attending our weekly live shows here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago and our upcoming show in St. Louis, Missouri on May 9th. And if you'd love to experience the thrill of Wait, Wait without going anywhere, check out our new interactive quiz for your smart speaker. Just say, open the Wait, Wait quiz and you can talk directly to Bill and myself and we will talk back. You could even win the voice of your choice for your voicemail playing that game. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, Peter. It's Hillary Jericho from Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Chicago. <laughs> A local call. <laughs> what do you do here in the finest city in the world? Uh, I'm a pediatric gastroenterologist down at the University of Chicago Comer Children's Hospital. Oh, that's good work. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And, you live that, and you live down there in, uh, in Hyde Park? Uh, we actually live in the South Loop, pretty close to Soldier Field. Oh, okay. So you can yeah. you can watch all the drunk people leaving. That's exciting. Actually, amazingly, Peter, we saw you walk by our house one night while we were out. Busted! <laughs> 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 <That's good. laughs> I hope I wasn't singing. <laughs> well, 
Welcome to the show, Hillary. Thank you. Bill Curtis is going to read for you three news-related limericks with the last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly, two of the limericks will be a winner. You ready to play? I am. All right, here's your first limerick. To ruthless, blood-sucking banditos, we humans are just big burritos. But play them some Skrillex, and they will not Drillex. It kills food and sex for... Mosquitoes? Yes, yeah. mosquitoes. <laughs> yeah. DJ Skrillex is apparently a real buzzkill. According to researchers, Skrillex's EDM track, Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites, has been linked to declined mosquito mating rates. <laughs> the song, which if you haven't heard it, and let's be honest, none of you have heard it, <laughs> mixes high and low frequencies, distracting mosquitoes from their usual hobbies of blood sucking and getting it on. <laughs> It isn't that they hate Skrillex music. This is the thing. It's not like it's driving them away. They love it. They're, they're, quote, entertained by it, which means they attack hosts less often than those in a dubstep-free environment, unquote. <laughs> so even mosquitoes are having less sex. Exactly yeah. right. Especially millennial mosquitoes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Hillary. Here is your next limerick. Since moon rocks are easy to scoop, old waste we will try to recoup. We're paying the piper by bringing home diapers. We'll go back to pick up our... Poop, a perfect one for a gastroenterologist. You're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, according to Vox, the Apollo 11 astronauts left 96 bags of human waste up on the moon. Now we know why there's a dark side of the moon. <laughs> Humans have been blasting things into space for years now, like songs by Mozart and Bach, photographs, and apparently our poop. Uh, scientists want to go back to pick up the moon poop to research how living microbes have fared in space over the last 45 years or so. Oh. Buzz Aldrin, one of the first people on the moon, himself tweeted this week, I sure feel bad for whoever finds my bag. <laughs> really? I mean, after like four days of tang. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> but, uh, you said... Right. 96 bags? 96 bags. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I if you stop oh. and really think about it. Yeah. Well, let's, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hillary, here's your last limerick. It's quite an upbeat epilogue. They've found me a mate in a bog. I've got an amphibian reason to live again. I'm no longer the loneliest. Frog. Frog it is. Yeah. Frog it is. Back in January, we told you all about Romeo, the so-called world's loneliest frog, thought to be the last Sahuencas water frog. He lived in isolation for 10 years. But an expedition to Bolivia found Romeo his Juliet. And also another frog that secretes a poison that makes it seem like you're dead when you're really not. But I'm sure nothing bad will come of that. <laughs> the two frogs have hit it off. They're now living together. They're even trying to mate, though Romeo, quote, needs more practice. It's understandable they might have some trouble given that Romeo's been alone for 10 years and also there's a little bit of pressure. All these scientists are staring at them going, hey guys, start doing it or your species will die out. <laughs> Bill, how did Hillary do in our quiz? Hillary's very good, very smart. She got all three right. Congratulations, I respect no less. Thanks so much for playing. Thank you. Bye-bye. Support for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and the following message comes from The New Yorker.
featuring rigorous reporting from writers such as Ronan Farrow, Jelani Cobb, and Amy Davidson Sorkin. Discover insightful stories on topics including news, politics, and culture. Subscribe for unlimited digital access to NewYorker.com and the weekly print edition and save 50% off today. Wait, wait, don't tell me listeners will also receive the iconic New Yorker tote bag when you go to NewYorker.com slash wait and enter the code wait. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One. With the new Capital One Saver card, you can earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment. That means 4% on checking out that new restaurant everybody's talking about and 4% on watching your team win at home. Now when you go out, you cash in. You'll also earn 2% cash back at grocery stores and 1% on all other purchases. What's in your wallet? Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as he or she can. Each correct answer now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Tom and Peter each have three. Roxanne has two. All right, Rox, you are in third place. You're up first. Fill-in-the-Blank. On Wednesday, Theresa May once again requested an extension for the blank deal. Brexit. Right. On Sunday, the State Department announced plans to cut aid to three countries in blank. In Central America. Right. This week, a parent in California became the first person to plead guilty in the blank admission scandal. In the college bribery scandal. Right. In an overwhelming victory, Lori Lightfoot was elected blank's first black female mayor. Mayoral race in Chicago. Right. Indonesia announced it was banning tourists from visiting Komodo Island because people keep blanking the Komodo dragons. They keep stealing them. That's right. On Sunday, (laughs) UConn advanced to their 12th straight Final Four appearance in the Women's Blank Tournament. NCAA. Yes. On Thursday, Electric Car Company Blank reported record low sales and a 10% dip in stock value. Tesla. Right. An Arkansas man who told police he was shot while protecting an asset during his secret mission was actually blank. Um... He and his buddy were shooting each other to try out their bulletproof vests. That's exactly right. (laughs) That's what we do. (laughs) The man who was shot five times in the back took himself to the ER, and when the police got there, he told them a mysterious assailant attacked him while he was protecting an asset. The man's wife was not amused by this nonsense and blew his cover. The man insists he will be exonerated once the full Mueller report is released. (laughs) Bill... I think Roxanne did spectacularly well. In well, a rare moment here. Eight right. <laughs> she leads with a total of 18. All right, we have flipped a coin. Peter has elected to go next. So, Peter, fill in the blank. On Sunday, a whistleblower revealed that 25 people in the White House were granted blank despite significant red flags. Uh, security clearance. Right. On Thursday, President Trump walked back his threat to close the blank. <laughs> the border in right. Mexico. Right. This week, Mitch McConnell used the so-called blank option to advance a handful of President Trump's judicial nominees. Nuclear? Option? Right. This week, the CEO of Blank said the company took full responsibility for faulty 737 MAX planes. Boeing. Right. Saying he wanted to celebrate his team's big win with his granddad, a soccer fan in Argentina, blanked. Flew his grandfather to Argentina. No, he rushed to the graveyard to dig up his grandpa's skull. <laughs> <laughs> According to a new study, a bad diet puts you at a higher risk for death than blanking. Uh, than uh, lack of exercise. Than smoking. On Tuesday, Farmer Bro Blank was put in solitary. After it was revealed, he was running his business from prison. Shkreli. Right. In what experts are calling the most Swedish arrest ever, an officer in Stockholm apprehended a man while they were both blanking. Making meatballs, wearing bikinis, and acting as a Muppet chef. <laughs> that was a great guess. That's pretty Those were all very Swedish. No, in this case, they were both sitting in a sauna. Put your hands up. No, God, don't. Please put them back down. <laughs> Bill, how did Peter do in our quiz? You got five right, ten more points, total of 13, which means Roxanne is still in the lead. All right. 
So I'm guessing then that in order to win, Tom has to be perfect, right? He has to get the full boat. Here we go, Tom. This is for the game, fill in the blank. On Wednesday, the White House began their ninth round of trade talks with blank. China. Right. On Sunday, a woman carrying a USB drive full of malware was arrested by the Secret Service at blank. Mar-a-Lago. Right. This week, the House Ways and Means Committee asked the IRS for six years of blank's tax returns. Uh, President Trump. Yes. On Tuesday, the Republican Party chair for the state of blank was indicted on bribery charges. Um, oh, was that North Carolina? Yes. This week, a Maryland man was extradited to Florida on charges that he had blanked while on vacation there. Oh, good God. Um, he'd uh, dressed as a Chinese woman and snuck a malware USB no. drive into Mar-a-Lago. He was arrested because in vacation in Florida, he had tackled a pelican. On Thursday... <laughs> I think I just lost. The pelican. It was the pelican undid me. I know. On Thursday, Target announced that it was raising its blank to $13 an hour. Um, it's uh, beginning wage, minimum yeah. wage. According to a new study, cats are able to recognize their own blanks. Oh, like this is like news. It's their names. Yes, they can but recognize. Uh, in the same study, they just don't care. Saying it's, come up, <laughs> saying it's come up with a foolproof way to wake up oversleepers, a company created a new alarm clock that uses the soothing sound of blank. Um, oh, I know this. It's a cat um, coughing up a hairball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to give it to you. Seriously. Uh, it's the answer we had was a puking dog, ah. which I know is not the same. It will. It wakes you up if you've got pets. Yes, you hear yeah. that? Well, it's like, alarm, go, go, go! Uh, odd alarm is an app with a variety of traumatizing sounds, ranging from smoke alarm to dog barfing in your bed. I'm sure they have cat coughing up hairballs in there. <laughs> the distressing alarms mean you're less likely to snooze through them. But if that doesn't work, there's always the premium membership, which is a real dog. And that guarantees you'll never sleep past 6.30 ever again. <laughs> Bill, did Tom do well enough to win? I don't so think so. So close. He got seven right. 14 more points. Total of 17, but lost to Roxanne. Of course. That was hard fought. In just a minute, we're going to ask our panelists to predict what will be the most surprising revelation in the Mueller report when we finally get to see it. Special thanks this week to Stock and Ledger for feeding us. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager is Tyler Green, assisted by Simon Tran and Mary D'Olio. Our interns are Alex McOwen and Rachel Klepper. Our web guru is Beth Novi. B.J. Liedemann composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, and Lillian King. Our love language is Peter Gwynn. <laughs> Technical direction is from Lorna White. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production coordinator is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer, that's Ian Chillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Danforth. Now, panel, what will be the big shocker in the Mueller report if and when we see it? Tom Baudet. One entire page will be redacted except for three scattered words, duck, parade, and sphincter. <laughs> Investigations ensue. <laughs> Roxanne Roberts. We'll find out the body of Jimmy Hoffa is buried in New Jersey under the 18th hole at Trump Golf Course. <laughs> and Peter Gross. There's a reason that you've never seen the two of them in the same room. Steve Earle and Steve Urkel are actually the same person. <laughs> he was just feigning ignorance. <laughs> yes. Well, if any of that happens, we'll ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to John Bonnet, Roxanne Roberts, and Peter Grove. Thanks to all of you fabulous people for listening. I'm Peter Sagan. We will see you next week from San Antonio, Texas.
This is NPR.